Welcome back to It's Haunted What Now? I have been waiting to say that for such a long time. I'm your host, Lainey. I've collected some interesting stories for you today from different ends of the fear spectrum, shall we call it. From strange sightings to near-death experience, we've got them all in here today, and I'm so excited to share them with all of you. I know I've said it before, but I really love hearing all of your submitted stories. No two are ever the same, and no experience is ever repeated. It just goes to show how much there is out there in the world, and how much we'll never really know the truth about. Okay, ready to get spooked? Our first story today comes from Sav Page with a bone-chilling sighting they had with their cousins one night. One that has haunted them ever since. It started a few years ago. My two cousins and I were sitting out in my car, listening to music and messing around as teenagers do. We were out there because everyone else in the house was asleep since it was around 1 in the morning. We'd do this all the time and it was going normally until around 2.30am. My cousin in the backseat, I'll call her Grace, suddenly sat up, looking scared and asked if we'd heard something. My other cousin, Sam, thought Grace was just messing with us to scare us. A few seconds later, though, we heard it. The sounds of what seemed to be someone hitting the backside of my car. We thought it might be her younger siblings messing with us, so we tried to look and see if we could see them. But after every bang, we'd look and see nothing. That side of the car was facing the opposite side of the house, looking out towards a ditch and then an open field. While Grace and I were looking out towards the field, I saw a tall, white figure run in an odd manner on the other side of the ditch. I thought maybe I'd been seeing things, until Grace asked if I'd seen it too, which scared me to death. We told Sam what we'd seen, all while still trying to look around for the source of the banging. We kept hearing the thumps like something was hitting the car. Suddenly, Sam, out of nowhere, asked, Do you see that? She sounded terrified. We looked to where she was pointing and it looked like a white figure was crouched there, just looking at us. Absolutely terrified now, we all threw our blankets up over our heads and just sat there, waiting. Everyone was too scared to look, so I ended up being the one to do it. When I looked out of the covers, I saw the pale figure hunched over my window. The second I made eye contact with it, I went into an instant panic attack. My cousin bolted out of the car to go get her dad as I screamed. Her dad came and carried me inside, and once I calmed down, I noticed that my back was stinging. My uncle looked and I had a claw mark from my top right shoulder to my bottom left hip. Since that day, things have changed. At my new apartment that I lived in with my boyfriend, I had an incident where I went to leave the room to take a shower. And when I opened the door, my usually quiet cat screamed 
bolting for my door and racing under the bed. When I opened the door, I noticed every light in my house had been turned on, some that I never even used. The biggest change is that I've had nightmares literally every night since the night we saw that white figure. No matter what I do, I have nightmares. Last night, I tried to lucid dream to see if I could stop my nightmare from happening. I ended up experiencing a terrifying sleep paralysis for the first time. And during it, I saw the same white figure. After I woke up and told my boyfriend what had happened, we could suddenly hear the sounds of things being moved around in the kitchen. But both of the cats were in bed with us. We were both too terrified to go see what was happening. I'm not sure what's going on. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I absolutely got chills literally right now, goosebumps on my arms. Not only is it easy to imagine it happening to anyone just sitting in their car as we often do, the fact that it's had such a lasting and following impact on you That's something I'd like to pass on for myself. Thanks. Our next story comes from My Not, who brings us a story of a very strange encounter they once had in the woods. When I was 10, I had an encounter that I've never been able to explain. I was wandering through my backwoods on St. Patrick's Day. By that age, I was well aware that leprechauns weren't real, so I wasn't looking for anything so much as killing some time. There weren't any neighbors behind our house, just woods. I knew the woods very well and was extremely comfortable spending my days wandering around them like this. At one point, I stopped walking for a bit and was just looking around when I heard some sticks break. I looked over, thinking I was about to see a deer, when all of a sudden, out walked a seven-foot-tall leprechaun with orange hair. It didn't have a mask on or anything like that. Just a huge man, dressed as a leprechaun in the middle of the woods, with orange hair and a beard. He didn't see me, and I totally froze. I watched him walk for maybe 10 to 15 seconds. The only thing I can remember thinking was, I can't do anything. I was frozen to the spot, but somehow managed to yell out to him. The leprechaun stopped in his tracks and turned his head to look at me, giving me a strange sort of grin. I lost all courage at that point, turning around and running away faster than I ever had in my life. I have no clue if he gave chase or not, but in my mind, it felt like he was right behind me, so I never slowed or looked back. This experience has driven me nuts ever since it happened, because I just don't know how to explain it. Nobody knew where I was going, so it couldn't have been a setup. I've asked my parents, and they both say they didn't have anything to do with it, and they thought I just made it up as a kid. Thinking about it now as an adult, my best guess is that I saw something strange that day, and my brain just wasn't able to process it, 
so my mind turned it into something that I could understand. Since it was St. Patrick's Day, I ended up seeing a leprechaun. I honestly have no idea though, and it has stuck with me for years. I've never seen anything paranormal or whatever you want to call it since then. I've always hated the fact that in a world where people see ghosts, UFOs, and Bigfoot, I had to see the most ridiculous thing possible. Okay, now I have to admit, this story made me smile. I know I've said before that fear is what matters and what you experienced is what makes it real. But I absolutely grinned at the visuals of the story. Hopefully this was just a scenario of someone getting lost on their way to a pub somewhere. And not that we've got something even more worrying than Bigfoot wandering around out there. Our next story is from Psychophanta. They bring us a tale of a strange object they spotted outside of their kitchen window and an idea of what it might have been. Last night, I was standing in my kitchen doing the dishes around 3 a.m., as you do. Our sink is in the extended part of the kitchen, which is basically a utility balcony that we made part of our indoors, with double-paned glass that slides open on one side. Our apartment is on the first floor, and standing at the sink, one has a clear view of the society's private park, gym building, swimming pool, and a glimpse inside the homes of downstairs residents of different building blocks. Scrubbing away, half asleep, I was letting my eyes flit around the view outside the window. I wasn't looking with any purpose or awareness, but after many rounds of taking in the view, I was hit with a sense of strangeness. I focused and looked. It took me a minute to weed out the peculiarity in what I was seeing. On the lawn of a ground floor apartment across from me, there was a cider-shaped golden luminescent figure. It was moving, barely, but it seemed to be changing positions, which is why I could figure out the shape. It was big enough to be clearly visible against the backdrop of the high-rise. The weirdest thing about it was its luminosity. While lights from in the homes illuminated the balconies and the lamps in the park were on, the light from this figure was touching nothing. It looked matte, a drop of bright gold orange in motion on the pitch black strip of the lawn. The kids in our housing society had been planning to camp out on the lawn for a while, so I dismissed it as a bonfire, despite the fact that it didn't look like one. There were no flames. I got the sense of a smooth epoxy surface with the light coming from some core inside it. I called out to my mom and brother, who were also awake and in the living room. As I waited for them, I didn't take my eyes off the strange shape. When they got there, my mom and brother saw it too. My brother hypothesized that some kids were using some sort of mechanical bonfire. My mom, meanwhile, thought it was a raucous, a creature from Indian mythology, made a fire and mostly sighted at night. They are ghosts that are strong enough to develop a corporeal form. 
Legends say that if one of these formidable creatures decides to follow you, they won't be easy to get rid of. The possessed burn with fever until they are too weak to keep the interest of the rakas. If a person has a strong spirit, they may be able to endure carrying it with them, but the strain destroys their health over time. Sometime during this mini-mythology lesson, the figure disappeared. I finished washing the dishes and we went back to our dinner. Today, during our evening walk, we explored the area. There is a tree in that exact spot. Since it wasn't the dead of night at that point, we talked about the experience we'd had and felt much more disconcerted about the sighting than we'd been originally. When we'd seen it, we barely gave it any attention and moved on. Maybe we were in a trance. Maybe we were really tired. There's no way to really know, is there? This episode is brought to you by Posh Peanut. It has quickly become my favorite clothing brand for my little girl, Tilden. And now I have the opportunity to offer every listener that signs up 10% off their first order. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, then enter code Tilly at checkout. That's T-I-L-L-Y. When you place your first order and have your little one in their cute Posh Peanut outfit, be sure to use the hashtag Posh Peanut and tag me, True Crime Fan Club Pod, so I can see how cute your little one looks in their new Posh Peanut. Once again, click the link in my bio and enter code Tilly, that's T-I-L-L-Y, at checkout to get 10% off your first order. I love that through reading these stories, I get to learn about new lore and legends that I might not have otherwise been aware of. Rakas or Rakas are something that I'd personally never heard of before, but I'm definitely going to look into them now. Since you weren't the only one to see this strange thing, it leads me to believe that it was definitely there and definitely very strange. Our next story comes from Child of the Fey Wilds with the terrifying recollection of a recurring nightmare they experienced when they were a teenager. 
When I was about 14, I had a recurring nightmare for about a month. The worst of these nightmares occurred while my mom was away on a business trip. I still have a hard time talking about these dreams, but when they were first happening, I didn't think much of them. I've always had night terrors. But these were different. The dream began with me standing in front of a massive abandoned mansion. It was four stories tall with brick walls and huge busted out windows on the main floor. The outside of the house was covered in ivy and overrun with vegetation. One of the large oak doors at the front was decaying and hanging off its hinges. I would walk into the mansion despite every instinct telling me to leave because my curiosity always got the better of me. Inside the main room, the tiled floors were overgrown with tall grass. All of the furniture was destroyed and in ruins. Paintings and pictures were scattered across the floor and torn apart, and glass from the windows was all over the floors. In the center of the room was a large spiral staircase. There were several hallways leading deeper into the mansion, but what caught my attention was the soft crying coming from somewhere upstairs. I'd hear that crying and start heading upstairs to investigate. Every floor I pass would look like a war zone, getting increasingly worse the further I'd go up. The crying, too, would get louder and louder with every step. Time would feel strange, both sped up and slowed down at the same time. My curiosity and fear would war with each other, trying both to hurry me forwards and hold me back. By the time I'd reached the top of the stairs, the crying would have become inconsolable sobs. The hallway was long, with five white doors on either side of it. A final black door that seemed to have been burned was at the end of the hallway, with a flickering light shining from underneath it. At this point, I'd be shaking, even in the dream I could feel it. The sounds coming from the other side of that black door were gut-wrenching and horribly vivid. I wanted to run away, to turn back and wake myself up, but I couldn't. I'd walk towards the door every time. Every doorway I passed would click as it locked from the inside, and the screams would rise in volume until they were ear-piercing. When I reached the back door, I couldn't bring myself to reach for the knob. I just stared at it, listening to the screams on the other side of it, frozen with fear. It felt like an eternity standing there, staring at this door as someone screamed on the other side. Against my will, I'd reach for the doorknob. The door would fly open before I could touch it, and I'd be forced inside. I'd fall flat on my face, and the door would slam closed and lock behind me. The screaming at that point became inhuman laughter. I'd scramble up, fighting to open the door, but it wouldn't budge. I don't even know how long I'd struggle with the door, trying to force it open. Eventually, the laughter would die down and I'd turn around. The light that had been shining out from under the door was gone. The room was pitch black. I could, however, make out the dim ruins of a bedroom, with a broken bed frame and overturned dressers. In the far corner of the room, hunched up in the corner of the ceiling, was a being... It was something inhuman, something demonic. It didn't move when I spotted it, 
only staring back at me with nasty yellow eyes. Its face was hidden in the darkness of the room, but its figure was vaguely visible. Some primal part of me told me not to blink, knowing that if I did, it would move. I blinked. Suddenly, this thing was standing before me at a towering height, over eight feet tall with its bony head and shoulders pressed against the ceiling as it stared down at me from the far side of the room. It was huge, skeletal, malnourished, with inhumanly sharp features. I blinked again and it was closer. Now I could see the broken horns, half curled around its skull. I blink and blink, and every time I blink, it moves closer. Eventually, it's within arm's reach of me, its long arm outstretched, talon-like, grasping for me with its nails. Terrified, I try desperately not to blink anymore, not wanting it to move any closer to me. I had to. I blinked. Again. When I opened my eyes, it was charging at me, its mouth open wide in a twisted, sharp-toothed grin. It hit me and I felt the impact of it connecting with my chest, its nails wrapping around my back. And then I'd wake up, screaming and crying on my bedroom floor, having the worst panic attack I've ever experienced. The following morning after having that dream, After several long hours of staring up at my bedroom ceiling, waiting for the sun to rise, I went to the bathroom to shower. There, I found that from my collarbones to my sternum and wrapped around my shoulders, I was covered in painful purple and green bruises. After such a sleepless night, I told my mom about the nightmares when she got back from her business trip and showed her the bruises. My mom is, and has always been, a very religious woman. She got out her Bible, and there, began praying over me, asking God to protect my spirit and mind. She prayed for two hours, not letting me leave the room until she was done. Afterward, she called her priest, begging him to do an exorcism on me after she told him about the dreams and bruising. He lived an hour away, but told her that he was leaving immediately to come pray with us. Once he arrived, another hour or so passed with both of them praying over me. The priest didn't perform an exorcism, however, both because he wasn't trained to and because he didn't believe I was possessed. Instead, he explained that he believed I was being oppressed. The way he explained it to me when I was 14 was, That demon is pressuring you and hovering over you. It's trying to break your spirit, make you lose your hope and your faith. It wants you to give up everything so that it can possess you and take over your body. I still have those nightmares every few years. They're exactly the same, right down to the tiniest detail. Nobody knows. I have to say, this story really got to me. From the vivid details of your dream to the physical marks it left, to the chilling conclusion of having to call in a priest to bless the house and you. This sounds like you could have a horror movie all your own. 
and to still to this day have it lingering over you, knowing what that priest told you, I definitely got shivers. And to be honest, I might be sleeping with one eye open tonight and super close to my husband. Our final story today comes from an anonymous source. They tell us of a near-death experience and the unexpected results that came from it. Content warning. The following story contains references to long-term illness, self-harm, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. My story started when I was gravely ill with cancer back in 2010. I thought I was going to die. My cancer was very rare for how young I was, just 30 years old when this all started. Like anyone so seriously ill without the knowledge or experience of what to do in such a case, I fell into the same sort of routine as anyone with a life-threatening ailment. I sought out the meaning of my own existence, with the question of why me playing over and over again in my head. I went between several different religions and teachings about the meaning of life, trying to find answers as to why I'd been chosen to endure such hardship. I came across Buddhism, and the practices within it seemed to help get me through until my surgery was complete. From there, I decided that I was experienced enough with the ways of the universe and to take it upon myself to not accept any more treatment. As I started to heal and recover from surgery, my life was changed forever. In hindsight, I should have chosen the treatment over surgery. If I had, I might have saved myself the intense pain and depression that I endured following my recovery process. In the end, the pain and the depression was too much, to the point where I no longer wanted to live. I didn't see myself fit for anything anymore, and I ended up taking a bunch of pills from different prescriptions I had had over time. I died for nearly six minutes. My heart stopped, I stopped breathing, and I turned a delicate shade of blue before my wife at the time found me. She immediately called for the paramedics to revive me, but it took them another 10 minutes to get to the door while she attempted to perform CPR. Then is where the paranormal side of the story comes in. At that moment, in those six minutes when I was dead, I crossed over into purgatory. I was in the afterlife, and it was the most beautiful and frightening moment I've ever experienced. Purgatory looked like the city I lived in, and instead of my current neighborhood, it was the area I'd lived in when I was a child. It was dark there, and everything seemed smudged and smoky. I could hear people talking and whispering everywhere, but couldn't find a trace of where anyone might be or where the voices were coming from. I walked that place for what felt like hours or days, and I couldn't find anybody or anything that could explain why I was there. I'd almost forgotten the whole reason why I'd ended up there in the first place. Walking down one of the streets, I suddenly felt an incredible chest pain and started having breathing issues. In an instant, I was sucked back into reality. They'd used the paddles on my chest to restart my heart, and let me tell you, it hurt. 
It was like being stabbed with a thousand needles all at once. Over the next couple of months as I recovered, something had changed about me. Suddenly, I could see things that I never thought possible. I could see and hear the dead. I could interact with them on an almost daily basis. This scared me at the time because they knew that I was aware of them, and so they never left me alone. The worst part of this whole process of being alive again is that I gained a second skill that I'd always brushed off as being made up by scam artists. I can now see people's past lives. Yes, you heard that right. Past life regression was now on the table and in full swing with me. At one point, I had to wear gloves everywhere because every time I touched someone, I'd get flashes of their past lives. At this point, I've seen at least six of my deceased immediate family members and countless others that I'd rather not see again because they were very unpleasant during their lives and they're still repeating those same unpleasantries in the afterlife. This story touched me. It's raw and real, and I'm so sorry that you've had to experience these types of hardships in your life. I'm grateful, however, that you were willing to reach out with your story. The phenomenon that follows you now through your life is definitely unusual, to be sure. And I hope that eventually you're able to control this, what some people consider to be a gift. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Aaliyah and Rebecca Lopez. Writing assistance by Meg Williams. The official composer for the show is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Audio engineering provided by Chez at Gray Multimedia. Until next time. Did you hear that?